You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that has no problems benching Cristiano Ronaldo. Today we have Nicholas John. Hello, hello. The only person that is actually too big to bench. And I am Faisal American, who is as mobile as a bench. Sadly, Karami Kamil isn't here today. He stubbed his toe on a park bench. <laughs> yeah. Is that code? It may be. That's what we're starting with today. Cristiano Ronaldo was on the bench for a Manchester United's one-all draw with Chelsea in the Premier League. Uh, more on that in a moment. But uh, Nick, I want your opinion on how United played. Uh, they now have a win and a draw since uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was sacked. Yeah, I think it was a fair result. Uh, although, based on recent form, I feel Chelsea will be the more disappointed of the two sides because they were really expected to win this one, You know, especially after their dominant display against Juventus in the Champions League. But in the end, I think they suffered a bit from the absence of N'Golo Kante and Ben Chilwell in particular. Uh, but credit to Man United for digging in and limiting the damage that Chelsea could have done. There was more solidity to this United team and a bit more determination as well compared to the, the, the previous team under Ole. And, and credit should go to Michael Carrick for his brave selection. Uh, I, I know we give him a lot of stick for being Ole version 2 or, or Ole 2.0, but he showed that he was at least willing to try stepping out of his former boss's shadow by dropping Ronaldo, like you mentioned, from the starting eleven, and going with a more defensive midfield of, of Fred McTominay and Matic. Uh, but overall, a good performance uh, by, by United. Mm-hmm. As a fan, I feel that they earned this point against Chelsea more than they did in the win against uh, Villarreal in the Champions mm-hmm. League. Because against Villarreal, it was a case of more of the same from United. You know, it was basically Ole's team, Ole's system. They were just lucky to score two goals there. Uh, but against Chelsea, they made changes. They put in the hard work to deny the Blues. Uh, so this one, for me, felt a little bit more well-earned. Yeah. Also, credit to uh, David De Gea as well. He had a f- uh, quite a few good saves. And not for the first time either. He's, he's <laughs> made some pretty important saves in the past uh, few matches for United. As we mentioned, Ronaldo started from the bench uh, against the league leaders, uh, is this a case of keeping players fresh uh, or is there more to it? I mean, last week we mentioned that uh, Ronaldo's not the best player suited to the style of their uh, managed to be Ralph Rangnick. Uh, some reports are suggesting that Rangnick had uh, some input on the squad. Yeah, and, and, and that was an allegation that Carrick, of course, uh, denied. I, I think dropping Ronaldo was a big call and I think it was tactical. And like you mentioned, the Portuguese... He, he saved them on many occasions this season, but his style of play, you know, uh, especially his reluctance to drop back, to pressure the defense, his, his, his general, um, lack of, of, or rather his general staticness, if you like, can make him a liability sometimes. So it was brave of, of Carrick to, uh, drop the uh, star player. It's so brave, in fact, that, yeah, you know, pe- people even speculated that Ragnik had a hand in the, the team selection. All right. Uh, United are in eighth place in the table while, uh, Chelsea are at Top, uh, Chelsea are one point ahead of Man City, who had a 2-1 win over West Ham. West Ham are still in fourth place, but do you see them holding on to it uh, come the end of the season? It's one of those things that I think they can do, but it will not be easy. Uh, I think what we are seeing 
here could be, I hope not, but it could be a case of West Ham peaking too early. Uh, they are still in fourth place, but they've also now lost two straight league matches. The thing is, in terms of quality, it's there for the Hammers. You can see it. And David Moyes has managed to bring out the best in his players. Um, but you, you just get the feeling that they need a, a bit of good fortune to help them bounce back. And they've got a match against Brighton coming up, which could be exactly the kind of opponent that they need uh, to, to show a, a positive response to this defeat. Right. In third place are uh, Liverpool, who had a 4-0 win over Southampton. Now, Liverpool set a new club record for most goals scored at this point of the season. If I'm not mistaken, uh, 39 goals in uh, 13 matches. Nick, in any other season, this would be runaway title-winning form, right? Yeah, Liverpool are in fantastic form at the moment and the scary thing is they are prolific in front of goal as well and and they are right in there with uh, Man City and Chelsea at the top of the standings only two points uh, separate the three teams and and I think the Reds stand a very good chance of, of going on a solid title run especially if they can keep up this uh, uh, rich vein of uh, scoring especially elsewhere Arsenal are fifth with a 2-0 win over Newcastle who would have thought after their dismal start to the season Steven Gerrard guided Aston Villa to their second straight win a 2-1 victory over Crystal Palace Tottenham's match against Burnley was postponed due to the weather Um, let's move on to the draw for the uh, European uh, section of the uh, World Cup qualifying playoffs Uh, When we last talked about it, we touched on the possibility of either Italy or Portugal not going to Qatar next year. Well, it is definitely going to happen. Uh, They've been drawn in the same group or uh, path, as they call it. So their first round of matches, right? Italy will face North Macedonia. Portugal are up against Turkey. If they both win, uh, Italy will have to face uh, Portugal in the uh, path's final. Uh, which side do you think is more deserving of a spot? More deserving? I, I think neither are deserving. I mean, it, it is because of their poor qualification campaign that they are in this uh, situation in the first place. But either way, I, I think it's a big upset even before a single ball is kicked la, that we're going to lose either one of them. Because Italy, if they miss out, it's going to be their second successive tournament. They're not at the World Cup. Whereas if Portugal don't make it, Cristiano Ronaldo will miss out on what would have been his final appearance at the World Cup, you know, realistically speaking. So a huge loss either way, not just for the supporters, but also for the neutrals. You know, I personally, I I liked what I saw from Italy at at Euro 2020, and I was hoping to see how they would fare at the World Cup. But, you know, unfortunately for them and for Portugal, that's just the luck of the draw. And, And like I said earlier, both Italy and Portugal could have avoided being in this situation in the first place. You know, they had opportunities on several locations when they could have booked their place in in Qatar during the qualifiers but you know they failed to capitalize on these opportunities so uh, this is the price you pay you know you come into the playoffs you get a bad draw and and that's it your chances are gone what about the other teams in the playoffs uh, who do you see going through to the uh, finals okay who makes it to the finals i'm not sure but i am actually uh, in, in path a path, as they call it. Uh, we've got uh, Scotland playing Ukraine in one semi, and then we've got Wales and Austria over in the other semi. So I'm actually hoping for a Scotland versus Wales uh, final to see who makes it through. Wales, again, with Gareth Bale and all that, might stand a, a, a little bit of a better chance against their, their Scottish neighbours there. Yeah, so so that for me would be the highlight, you know, because it, it, it's always been 
the focus has always been on England trying to book their place at the World Cup. So now we're seeing that Scotland and Wales have an opportunity to, to make it in there as well. And then there's a path B. First up, we have a Russia versus Poland and then Sweden versus Czech Republic. Poland with uh, Lewandowski, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he would like to, to have another shot at the World Cup as well, uh, or, or rather to, to add to his uh, scoring tally at the World Cup. And, and I'm unfortunate you know, to have you know, either Poland or Russia there. You know, both are big teams, both have played in the World Cup before, so it's unfortunate that we're going to have to lose one of them there. Sweden against the Czech Republic, that's another 50-50 one as well. So it's looking pretty even like, if you look at you know, all three parts here. So the, yeah, the biggest upset, the, the, the path of death, I guess, if you want to call it, will be path Sila with Italy and Portugal there. Whatever it is, we are definitely in for some uh, huge matches come March when the uh, qualifying playoffs take place. Moving on, there's uh, sad news in Formula 1. Sir Frank Williams, the founder of the uh, Williams F1 team, uh, passed away at the age of 79. Uh, the Williams team may not look uh, like much now, but anyone who grew up in Formula 1 in the uh, 80s and 90s will know how huge they were. Uh, one of the most successful teams ever, uh, and they boasted drivers like uh, Alain Prost, Damon Hill, Nigel Mansell, uh, K.K. Rosberg, and his son, uh, you may know him, Nico Rosberg. Also, they had uh, the likes of Felipe Massa and Valtteri Bottas. Now, a large part of this success was uh, due to Sir Frank. Um, despite his condition, he suffered a spinal injury in uh, 1986 that confined him to a wheelchair. The sheer willpower of that guy is definitely uh, admirable, so uh, rest in peace, Sir Frank. Finally, uh, we're going into a bit of squash, uh, the sport, not the fruit. Aifa Azman won the uh, women's title at the uh, Malaysian Open. Um, she defeated the number one seed, Salma Hani, in the final. Yeah, a hugely impressive win uh, for the 19-year-old. Like you said, you know, she, she, she came into the tournament as a wildcard entry, but ended up winning the whole thing, beating the top seed, no less, uh, in the final. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, she's the first uh, Malaysian since Dato Nicole David to win a World Tour level title. And, and speaking of, of Dato Nicole, of course, there, there are going to be comparisons to, to Nicole, especially when, when you are young and you have a, a promising future like uh, Aifa and, and also like S. Sivasangari. Uh, but I feel that it, it's encouraging that the Youth and Sports Ministry has already come out to say that it'll not be putting any undue pressure on Aifa to replace Nicole as the, mm. the, the so-called Malaysian squash queen. Uh, they say they're going to give her the space and time that she needs to to develop at her own pace because, you know, the last thing we want is to rush these young athletes and say that, oh, you're the next Nicole David or in badminton, you're the next, you know, Dato Lee Chong Wei. Support them, yes, uh, but it's counterproductive to put too much pressure on them too soon, which thankfully uh, the Youth and Sports Ministry realises in this case. But yes, overall, a very impressive win for, for IFA and hopefully this sort of like gives a momentum, you know, moving in into more tournaments coming up in the new year and all that. Congratulations, Aifa, and all the best to you. With that, we've come to the end of another Podball Sportscast. Thanks for tuning in. I am Faisal American. And I am Nicholas Jobb. 